you're listening to the Telltale channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. In this podcast, we're going to talk about California candidate for Secretary of State Rachel Ham's recent bizarre and confusing religious claims, political candidate Herschel Walker clearly having trouble understanding what evolution is and how it works, Nick Walker Ministries, remember the kids in West Virginia who were forced to attend a revival during school hours? The story goes even deeper than that. We also take voicemails. If you want to leave a voicemail, the number is 1-800-701-8573. If you want to send an email instead, the email address is telltalemailbag at gmail.com. Hey, this is Owen. If you're comfortable, leave your first name and state at the sound of the tiny truck backing up. Hello, Owen. This is Tycho. I'm calling from British Columbia, Canada again. Uh, I was just watching some of your Johnny Enlo uh, speaking on Humpty Dumpty, and then I just saw the news story about the judge making reference to Humpty Dumpty in the case against Donald Trump. Uh, very interesting. Uh, it would seem that the prophet was right on this one. Um, love to hear your take on it. Thank you. Okay, let me give you guys a little bit of like backstory on this. I did a video on Johnny Enlow recently. I think in January of 2022, Johnny Enlow did this whole stream called Humpty Dumpty or something. And the, the whole idea behind the stream is that he received divine revelation from God and here is the divine revelation he received. Quote, Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. End quote. That's the saying. That's what the whole stream was about. He got divine revelation from, from God that Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall and then had a great fall. He basically dragged this out into like a two, three hour event or something, a big prophetic event where he talked about how significant it is that Humpty Dumpty was sitting on a wall and blah, blah, blah. I mean, he really went into depth. I mean, listen to some of this. But Lewis Carroll was deeply tied into what we would say is the Illuminati. And by the way, Lewis Carroll wrote Alice in Wonderland and Through the Looking Glass. I believe Through the Looking Glass was like a sequel to it. And Humpty Dumpty was a character in that book. As a character... He would twist things around to mean the opposite of what they meant. You know how Alice in Wonderland was. That's just kind of how it worked. It was a really weird show. It's just what it is. It doesn't mean that, you know, they're Freemasons or whatever. It's just a weird show. But Lewis Carroll was deeply tied into what we would say is the Illuminati, the Freemasonry, the elite, the evil elite. And the name of the book is Through the Looking Glass. And it was the sequel to... Alice in Wonderland. But one of the, the most well-known and repeated storylines of uh, 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 in the book Through the Looking Glass is Alice interacting with Humpty Dumpty. He keeps misusing words. And really, it's crazy, but the first word I believe that he misuses is glory. It's just a character from a book, man. It's just a character from a book. There is nothing supernatural or spiritual about it and then he goes on it's a diatribe of, of how he just makes words be what he wants them to be and by superimposing his willpower he makes that be for whoever he wants it to be so words don't really matter so Humpty Dumpty was one who was known for twisting words he could slander with his words he does that's exactly what the word 
uh, Satan and devil, what those words actually mean, or they shift and change words. Yeah, so Humpty Dumpty was just a character in a book, and there's really nothing more to it. But since he was that character in that book that kind of shifted words around and used them in funny ways to mean the exact opposite of what they meant, Humpty Dumpty is held up by people as an example of somebody who does that. Let's keep listening to this clip. So the Lord's saying, Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. This is his prophecy from Jesus. And then you find out Humpty Dumpty Institute is something that had Mark Epstein, Jeffrey Epstein's brother, listed as director as recently as 2018. And we're right off the rails, yeah, into conspiracy land. Fully associated with the Communist Party of China, the CCP. It has high-level State Department from the United States connection, the global elite. Yeah, just complete conspiracy land at this point. So what you were saying, it seems like Johnny Enlil was correct. Let me give you the context for what he was, what the caller was talking about, what he heard in the news. This was the news at the time. Donald Trump's accounting firm had dropped him because of he wasn't being clear about how much money he earned or something like that. And this is what the news report said. This is from the judge comparing the argument that somehow having your accountant firm bail on you means you should win was downright Orwellian. It was, of course, Orwell who wrote in 1984 about the, quote, war is peace, freedom is slavery, ignorance is strength. The idea that words have no meaning whatsoever, and that's not all. What's worse than Orwell? Well, maybe Humpty Dumpty, because the other comparison was that, again, this argument that losing your accounting firm means you should win the case and not have to testify was likened to a famously stupid claim, a rejected claim by none other than Humpty Dumpty. When I use a word, it means what I choose it to mean, neither more nor less. Yeah, so the judge was referencing this scene from, like, Alice in Wonderland or Alice Through the Looking Glass. That's what the judge was referencing, the fact that Humpty Dumpty was, you know, he liked to twist words around. The prophet was not correct. He jumped straight into conspiracy land. There is nothing about this that was correct. The judge was just quoting an old kid's movie called Through the Looking Glass when he was talking about Humpty Dumpty. So hopefully that adds some clarity to my position on it. I think in no way, shape, or form was Johnny Enloe correct. He was just spouting off nonsense, as he always does, and he mentioned something that a judge also mentioned simultaneously, basically. Anyway, thank you for the uh, voicemail. I appreciate that. Uh, hi, this is Silas from Indiana. He, him. I'm watching your podcast, and at the Perry Stone part, I just wanted to... This is really pedantic. I'm sorry. I wanted to let you know, though, that um, his math is actually right. Let me give some lead up to this. So Perry Stone a while back put out a clip talking about how much time he has invested in studying. Right. And he claims to have like 175,000 hours or something like that. Let's listen to the clip and see exactly what he said. I am absolutely convinced I'm, I'm 62 years of age. I've been preaching for 46 years. Uh, and I'm not saying this in a boasting way, but we probably have well over between 172 to about 175,000 hours literally in study. That's reading, studying, word studies, research, reading books. And that's not an exaggeration because since I was 16 years of age, uh, I would go four hours, then eight hours, and, and sometimes 
10 to 12 hours a day. My staff knows I'm telling you the fact. That's what I do. Okay, so Perry Stone's claim is he has 175,000 hours studying, right? And this caller, I, I actually did the math on this, and I did a five-day work week and assumed that he would be doing even 10 hours a day to be generous studying or reading the Bible, basically, and calculated it would take him like 81 years or something like that to actually get the, those 175,000 hours. But the caller is saying... That um, his math is actually right if you assume that he did study seven days a week instead of five days a week. If you do eight hours, five days a week for 41 years, because I misheard the number, you get 170,056. Thank you. The caller is saying, I'm off base if I redo the math to account for a seven-day work week, then he may be telling the truth. So let's let's redo the math. We got 175,000 hours, say seven days a week, although there's no reason to think that he does it every single day of his life. Does I mean, we're talking seven days a week, 365 days a year. Does he Has he ever gone on a vacation ever with his family? In fact, has he ever spent any time with his family at all? I mean, we're talking 10 to 12 hours a day, seven days a week, reading the Bible. He is literally spending every waking moment reading the Bible. I mean, accounting for lunch breaks and bathroom breaks, he's spending every waking moment reading the Bible. So we'll, we'll, we'll redo the math. Seven days a week. Actually, let's, just, let's do it by year. 365 days a year. That's a better number to start with. 365 days a year, we'll say times 10 hours a day, right? So how many years would he have to do this to reach 175,000 hours? He would have to be doing this for 48 years straight, plus 16 years, because that's when he said he started. If he is under 64 years old, then I have questions. I mean, I already have questions because it's ridiculous to think that he would do this seven days a week, 10 hours a day, bathroom breaks, lunch breaks. He couldn't go on vacations. He couldn't, he couldn't even drive. He couldn't even drive to church without accounting for that time. You don't realize like how much time is taken up when you just slice 10 hours out of a day like that. It sounds like your math is correct here. If we account for 10 hours per day, seven days a week, 365 days a year for 64 years, since the age of 16, then I guess technically he could reach 175,000 hours. But that is a completely absurd claim in the first place. Uh, so I appreciate the correction on the math. I think it's still completely absurd to, to buy this claim at all. It's ridiculous. So, Owen, I'm hearing the word revival too often. Uh, by too many different people. Um, Bachman was on your channel. I'm hearing Marjorie Taylor Greene, less than 12 hours using the thing, America needs a revival. That's coming from, not Swagger, but the other one you cover all the time, Kenny, Kenny Copeland. That's where it's coming from. America needs a revival. Does that include Jews and atheists and Catholics too? Good question. Does it include Jews, atheists, and Catholics too? The answer is no, it doesn't. What they want is for atheists, Jews, and Catholics to get out or convert. The evangelicals that basically run the Republican Party at this point have always been about supremacy and control. It's never been about peaceful coexistence for people like Perry Stone, for people like Johnny Enlow. It's never been about peaceful coexistence. They want to 
control the United States and the government or see it burn to ashes around them. I feel comfortable saying that after watching as many videos and sermons and clips by these people as I have. They want to control it or see it burn to ashes around them. No joke. This email is from Kai. Cultish behavior in crypto communities is the subject. Hi, Owen. Big fan of your work and activism in regards to cults and their abuse of both power and people. I've been seeing a lot of discussion online about cryptocurrencies and NFTs lately. Whenever I look at the way people who are into cryptocurrencies and especially NFTs talk... I see them using very in-group specific language, along with strongly encouraging certain behavior. So I wondered if you think it would be appropriate to call some of their communities close to or entirely a cult. I don't think they have a traditional cult structure, like, for example, Jehovah's Witnesses or Heaven's Gate. But there's absolutely something strange going on within those spheres that I can't quite put my finger on and I find worrying. Note, I'd also like to clarify that I don't think this means every crypto investor is a cult member. It's just the online communities around crypto specifically that seem that way to me. What do you think? Yeah, I appreciate that. I wrote this model called the extremism gradient, and it's basically different levels of cults, or different layers or tiers. We've got level one cults is what I call it. It's decentralized and non-focused. And what I mean by that is... There isn't a central leadership, like a top-down hierarchy that determines what these people believe and the information that they take in, but it's kind of dictated on an individual level. Like, you'll, you'll find this a lot in, like, Facebook groups, like anti-vax groups and stuff like that. They'll form out, and the people who have the most extreme ideas and opinions and moral values about this specific subject rise to the top. The upvotes determine what the ideology of the group is. As a group, they all kind of determine what the ideology is going to become. That's the decentralized part. The non-focused part means there isn't a specific leader that they're focused on. The difference between something that's decentralized and non-focused and something that's decentralized and focused is... In the focused case, it's focused on a single leader. This is level two cults. Focused on a single leader like Donald Trump. I mean, think of any cult of personality. They're focused on one person who dictates and directs the ideology, the moral belief system, and the ideals that the group should adhere to. And they follow those ideals and push the belief system further and further in these decentralized groups. So it's decentralized and focused. That would be level two. And level three is centralized and hierarchical, like Jehovah's Witnesses, for example. Jehovah's Witnesses, Jonestown, Heaven's Gate, Mormonism, all of these would be good examples of level three cults. And you can use the bite model to determine if they are cults or not. So see if you can find where certain crypto groups fit in here. Usually I say that it needs to be like a group rather than a category that we're talking about. But can you identify like a crypto space as like level one, two, or three? Decentralized and focused, decentralized and non-focused, or centralized and hierarchical? I know Elon Musk has a lot of crypto investors behind him that I would consider part of a level two decentralized but focused cult. Hopefully that adds a little bit of context to my view on this. Like I said, I came up with this model but I'm no expert by any means, so that's just my opinion on it. 
Next email is from Michael McGill, a fan letter from the Vestry. I take a stroll through YouTube almost every evening. I've seen some things. It's difficult to find much I can understand, much less agree with. You, my friend, are a happy exception to that. I appreciate your thoughtful assessment of our turbulent world. Well, thank you for listening. You did not have to do that. This may strike many as strange. I am a Christian junior warden at my church, but I've never understood this knee-jerk reaction to atheists. The greatest threat to religious freedom is fundamentalist Christianity, and on occasion your subjects have frightened me badly. They are nuts. There's nothing in the Bible that instructs me to throw rocks at atheists, so what's the attraction? Why do some Christians seem to require so many enemies? I'm counting on you to tell me. Well, it's hard to know for sure, but I will say this. It's partly cultural. Historically, religion has always hated the outsider. That's what the Crusades were all about. They were going to convert people by force if necessary. And I think in a lot of ways, they just had a vested interest in just hurting people anyways, outside of converting them. So religion has always been about hating the outsider, hating anybody who's not like you, forming that brotherhood, forcing people to fit into this box that looks just like the box that you're in. Religion is all about building a community that is organized and fits perfectly within the confines of what everybody expects. And the more extreme you get, the more conformed to that space you expect your friends to be. And the more you hate outsiders, it's tribalism at its most basic. I don't hate anybody for anything, honestly. But there was a time when I did. I guess you could say. There was a time when I was religious and I felt like I was superior to everybody who was not a Jehovah's Witness. When I left the religion, I recognized that in myself and I excised it from my mind as best I could. Um, excised it completely, honestly. I don't think anybody is better for being a Jehovah's Witness anymore. But the point here is that it's built into religion. It's built into the culture. And we have to try to find a way to prevent people from going down that path even deeper. We have to find a way to prevent people from falling into that cultural rabbit hole where they would feel compelled to hate somebody for some inherent quality about themselves. It's like a culture war is playing out in front of us right now, and we have to find a way to prevent extremist Christians from bringing more people under their tent. We have to find a way to fight back in the culture war, basically. That's what's happening. We have to fight against tribalism. It's like an inherent, deep-down desire to conform, to force everybody around you to conform. Uh, that's, that's what it seems like to me. So take that for what you will. And I appreciate you listening. I appreciate you coming and thinking about the things that I say, because not every Christian will do that, obviously. But anyway, once again, thank you for listening. I appreciate the email very much. Next, we're going to talk about California candidate for Secretary of State Rachel Ham's recent bizarre and confusing religious claims. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com.
First story I wanted to talk about is about a woman named Rachel Ham. She's running for Secretary of State of California. She's a Republican. So naturally, I wanted to cover her as a politician, see what she believes, see where her head is at. So she went on this podcast or this show with Dr. Mary Cruley, and she had some interesting things to say. So let's see what she had to say for herself. Satan also has a plan for your life. And that's something that I think is sometimes eye-opening to people. Like they don't realize how much there's a battle over your life and over your destiny and how we have to war to sometimes get ourselves into that promised land. And for me, the war started really young when I was in preschool. I always thought that God had a plan for your life. This was what I was told when I was little. God has a plan for your life. And Satan is doing everything he can to derail that plan. I don't think, I've never heard that Satan has a plan for your life, but okay, whatever. I'm already not voting for her because she's obviously a religious wingnut and absolutely obsessed with working religion into every aspect of public life. But we haven't even heard the worst of it yet. We haven't even heard the worst of it. Let's keep listening. She's about to tell us about being in preschool. And for me, the war started really young when I was in preschool. Um, My mom was a stay-at-home mom, so I was normally home with her, but then she had to have surgery on her neck. And it was going to be quite the the recovery process and going to be just a long journey. So my grandmother offered to put me in preschool since it would be hard for my mom to recover and also take care of me. We're getting a little derailed here, Rachel. Come on, bring us home. Bring us to the point. So she took her up on that, and the preschool was a coven that was run by witches and really it was the cover was that it was a preschool but in reality it was a coven where they were training children in satanic rituals and in all things satanic i am super ultra mega skeptical right now uh do you have the name of the preschool can you give us any information about it other than your loose claims with absolutely no evidence behind it why would your grandmother put you into something like that that is strange to me obviously she grew up religious you don't just become this type of this brand of extremist evangelical without growing up in an incredibly religious environment But aside from that, what she's saying here is very closely mirroring the satanic panic. Back in the 80s and the 1990s, there was this absolutely bizarre phenomenon where people were coming out and claiming that they were like victims of satanic ritual abuse and stuff. It was just, it was really weird stuff. Making all kinds of real specific and bizarre and of course unverifiable claims about being victims of satanist rituals and stuff. And it swept across the country. Uh, Pokemon got pulled into it. You know, Pokemon is full of demons and it's all a ploy to get your kids to love Satan. And Pokemon, pocket monster, the spiral. And it stands for what? Male fertility. It's supposed to be able to mesmerize and hypnotize its enemies. This character over here is called Mewtwo. Every time that you see Mewtwo, he's in this pose. Three fingers. It means hail Satan. Cute little one. Everybody, okay, everybody go, oh, come on. His tail. It's a lightning bolt. And it's a satanic Z. Harry Potter got pulled into it eventually too. I mean, it was just absolutely nuts. This clip right here, this is a uh, product of the satanic panic. This is like a documentary or whatever made 
about a time when this guy, this Satanist, was trying to cause problems in churches. Check this out. They will try and infiltrate your church. They will try and set up whispering campaigns against the pastor and the elders. They may even try to seduce the pastor. For two years, I was involved in the Baptist church. I was constantly complaining about the pastor's sermons being too long, being too dry, sowing discord between the people, gossiping about others. Uh, Glenn, former Satanist, notice for the audio audience, it's documentary style, and right under his face is his name, Glenn, and his title, former Satanist. I love it. Absolutely love it, dude. Absolutely love it. So anyway, this sounds like a product of the satanic panic to me, personally. Let's uh, continue listening to Rachel Ham's description of being in a, a preschool that was actually a coven. Training children in satanic rituals and in all things satanic and how to be a satanist, literally. It was day one. It was, it was immediate. And I then, you know, just begged to not go back. But I didn't say what was happening there, though, because they made you feel like you were complicit. So you would never tell because you think you're equally guilty. See, this is honestly really disgusting to me. Obviously, the preschool that she went to was not a Satanist cult or a coven. That is complete nonsense. I'm calling BS on that. If she wants to provide evidence, I will examine it. Until evidence is provided, I'm defaulting to disbelief on this. The words, the language that she's using right now, it's the same type of language people use to describe actual, real abuse. What it sounds like to me is she went to a therapist or she studied psychology to some degree and picked up on the verbiage that's used when people really are coming out of genuinely abusive situations and she's weaponizing it against Satanism or she's weaponizing it in an effort to bolster her credibility and make herself easier to believe to a Christian audience. It's absolutely disgusting. Candidate for Secretary of State, by the way, for California. Candidate for Secretary of State. And then they literally like teach you how to cast a spell. Spells aren't real. Okay, I know a billion Satanists, I'm an atheist, spells are not real. That right there, that line, is the evidence that I need to know she's lying. They literally like teach you how to cast a spell. Um, we had to make covenants, which I have undone all of that now, you know. How do you undo a covenant that you, like, an, I guess a covenant is like an agreement with God or with Satan, right? How do you undo an agreement with Satan? I don't know. I, I'm skeptical. I had been told in the preschool that my, my firstborn would belong to Satan. And I did not have conscious memory of that on an ongoing basis until later. I remember remembered that at one point. Yeah, this sounds really similar to... What was it? I'm trying to remember. We talked about this in a psychology class when I was in uh, college. Yeah, okay. So we talked about this when I was in uh, psychology classes back in college, but there's this book called Michelle Remembers. It was written in 1980. It was co-written by a psychiatrist, Lawrence Pazder, and his psychiatric patient and eventual wife, they ended up getting married, Michelle Smith. It's heavily discredited. I mean, it's been discredited for a long time. 
It's complete nonsense. Now, I'm reading from an article about this, by the way, but it says here it relied on the discredited practice of recovered memory therapy. The reason that this even came up in a psychology class in the first place is because we were talking about false memories and how unreliable false memories are. And my mom actually had experiences with false memories being planted in her mind by something really similar to what happened here. But here's a summary. Let me just read a quick summary of the book. The book chronicles therapy sessions between Pazder and Smith and alleged recovered memories of satanic rituals she claims she was forced to attend as a child. Pazder stated that Smith was abused by the Church of Satan, which, by the way, Church of Satan is on Twitter. I talk with all kinds of members of the Church of Satan. They don't take part in this type of ritual stuff that Michelle claimed to have taken part in or been victim to. It's absolute nonsense. Church of Satan, purportedly a worldwide organization predating the Christian church. The first alleged ritual attended by Smith occurred in 1954 when she was five years old, with the final one, an 81-day ritual in 1955 that supposedly summoned Satan himself and involved the intervention of Jesus, the Virgin Mary, and Michael the Archangel, who removed the scars received by Smith throughout the year of abuse and blocked memories of the events until the time was right. Anyway, the the book was completely made up. The, the, the tricky thing about false memories is the person telling you what they're remembering isn't necessarily lying. In fact, if it is a real case of false memories, they're not lying. They genuinely believe that this is a real thing that happened to them. Genuinely, to the bottom of their hearts, believe it. And the psychiatrist could very well believe that it's real, too. Everybody involved can believe that it's real, but it wasn't. That's the thing about false memories. So, anyways, that's what this sounds like. Rachel Ham sounds like she's describing the plot line of the book Michelle Remembers from, like, the 1980s, and it's famously the book that started the satanic panic. It's just nonsense, and it's absolutely disgusting that she's trying to push this stuff all over again. She's trying to revive the satanic panic, it seems like here. Remember, candidate for secretary of state for the state of California. She's been talking about Satanism for a long time, though. That wasn't even the first time. Like I said, that last clip was from mid-March 2022, so not that long ago as of the moment that this video is releasing. But she's been talking about Satanism this entire time. There's this Daily Beast article written by Will Sommer, published October 21st, 2021. This is when Rachel Ham really started to kind of hit the map because she was she's kind of revving up her campaign and all that. So she started making all kinds of really weird claims around this time. Listen to this. This is from the article, the Daily Beast article. In her bid to be California's Secretary of State, Republican candidate Rachel Ham has the backing of some of the leading lights in the Trump movement. She's the endorsement of My Pillow CEO Mike Lindell, former Trump National Security Advisor Michael Flynn, and Steve Bannon called her part of a rising generation of superstars. The links to Q are entirely too close for my comfort. Way too many connections to Q here, just based on that list of names. Anybody connected to Michael Flynn makes me incredibly nervous, just based on the sheer amount of propaganda being pushed out by the guy. Anyway, let's keep reading. But Ham's new allies often fail to mention her role battling in what she imagines as a ceaseless war with Satanists and witches. 
Ham has claimed that devil worshippers sacrificed animals and performed other occult rituals in front of her house, but she isn't without her defenses, saying that her prayers also inspired the murder of a witch in her neighborhood. Let me just point something out here. This is the kind of person who actually prays for somebody's death. That is an ideological line that I would never ever cross. This person is hoping and wishing and praying for somebody in her neighborhood, just some random person, a, a witch, a, a supposed witch in her neighborhood, praying for them to disappear. I don't care whose side you're on. I, I don't care if you're on the left. I wouldn't stand for that kind of tactic, period. I wouldn't pray for somebody's death like that. What is wrong with you that you think that that's okay? When I talk about these people, when I talk about like all these televangelists and all of these bizarre religious politicians and stuff my problem isn't with the fact that they're religious really i have no problem with that it's with the tactics that they employ the tactics they employ truly deeply disgust me it, it's it's just evil check out this next clip mid-september 2021 she was on her campaign tour once again so listen to this one and you know what i do believe the prophets and I can tell you do too, right? So when we hear God speak through his prophets, yeah, I see the disaster that California is. And this is what I say. I say California is going to meet my blood. California is going to have revival. California is going to turn around. And a revolution is going to begin in California. And it's going to sweep across the whole country. And we agree in Jesus' name. Working Jesus into her campaign events as much as possible, I see. I get that you can't really win an election as a Republican without appealing to Jesus to some degree, but some of the things that she says are completely and totally over the top. Completely over the top. This is basically a religious event at this point. It's barely a campaign event anymore. I was praying about um, California. You know, I was telling the Lord certain things and the problems and blah, blah, blah. And Lord, I need, what are we going to do about this? What are we going to do about that? And he said, Rachel. You don't understand, California is hopeless. And I said, sir, then why am I here? And why am I running for Secretary of State? And he said, well, this is the thing. Truly, it is hopeless apart from God. Like, I mean, it's, it's just such a mess. But this is the thing is we're not apart from God. So... So there's hope, and I have personally experienced miracles. So I know what God can do, and he can do whatever he wants to do, and I believe he intends to do amazing things in California. Watch. Keep watching, California. God told me, you think you're running for Secretary of State, Rachel? You are not. Again, sir, are you sure? Because I have a website that says that I am. And he said, no, you are not. And I said, what in the world? What? What?" I love these like fabricated fake interactions. Like, do you think she sat down and planned this ahead of time? Certainly, right? She's, she's reciting a speech, basically. What was going through her head when she sat down at the table and thought to herself, I think I'm going to claim that God said this to me. And then I think I'm going to claim that I responded this way. I just don't see any other way that this played out but for her to just fabricate this conversation with God. What am I doing then? And he said, I am sending you out to expose lies, to speak truth, 
and to establish my kingdom every single place that you step your foot. That should be concerning to us too, right there. Like I said, this isn't a campaign event, really. This is a religious event. She is building her campaign off of religious belief. She's building the campaign off of religious conviction and doing everything that she can to draw in every religious extremist that she can find and get them to vote for her. That is concerning. At this point, the Republican Party, effectively, I'm sorry, guys, I don't like talking bad about other people who are, you know, there are moderates out there. I know there are moderate Republicans, but I have to say, guys, if you're a moderate Republican, I want you here. I'm glad you're here listening. But I have to point this out. The evangelical voting bloc is what is steering the ship right now. The evangelicals are making decisions for the Republican Party. They're affecting policy. They're picking the politicians. You can't win an election without the support of the evangelical voters. If you're a moderate Republican, get out. It is doing nothing but damage to the country right now because it's the evangelicals that are steering the ship. Get out. Find a third party. Vote with people who are more in line with your interests. I get you want lower taxes. I get it. I get that you want, I, I, I don't know. What, what do moderate Republicans want? I get that you want some things. You have some ideas in common with this person, with Rachel Ham. But trust me, it's being run by extremists right now. And you do not, trust me, you don't want what they have to offer the country. This next clip came out recently, too. This is mid-March 2022, okay? So she, things are revving up for the primary. She's going on tour, going around the country, trying to get people interested in her campaign. And who does she appear with? Johnny Enlow, of all people. Johnny Enlow. I've been talking about this guy for, like, ever. He's effectively the linchpin between Christianity and QAnon. He's one of the more famous pastors in both movements, he links the two movements together, and he's got some real, real strange ideas about how the world works. I was asking the Lord about it. He hadn't told me. And I was like, Lord, you still haven't showed me. And so I was like, Lord, as I'm saying that, the first thing he said is, he is going to save you from things you don't know you need to be saved from yet. And then the Lord progressively began to speak regarding that. And he said, this time in the presidency is going to be a hinge of the ages and be known as before Trump and after Trump because of the way I'm going to use him. I'm using wow. him as a Trump card, but I'm the Trump card player. And the Lord, it was like, I'm really not interested in your all's vote this time. I'm doing it. I usually give you all that option. This time I'm not. This is a rescue operation from heaven. From heaven's standpoint, Trump is the number one government official on planet Earth. The seat where Biden is, is is way less important than people know. At some point, yes, he's going to, that seat will uh, will be back officially where it's supposed to. I don't know the timing of it. Um, I had no idea of the full picture, the full range of everything that needed to be corrected and then brought into alignment with the kingdom of God. When I was getting the original prophetic words on it, all I, my initial stuff was the world will be known as before and after Trump when he comes in. And I was even looking at my prophetic word from four years ago. It's going to be an eight-year operation for 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 that to for that to happen. So anyway, she did this appearance with Johnny Enlow. Let's 
listen to what she has to say. Uh, I don't think Enlo speaks here. This is just her giving us her thoughts. Check it out. What What was the 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 reason behind deciding to run for this office? I mean, you've got a lot of things. First of all, I'm a prophetic dreamer. So I had spent a lot of 2019 and 20 having a lot of political dreams that I was in office. Prophetic dreamer, prophetic dreamer. FYI, this is effectively an endorsement by Johnny Enlow. The fact that he's showing up on this podcast with her and talking to her and everything. Her association with Johnny Enlow alone should be enough to get you to vote against her. Like, literally anybody. Literally anybody would be better than voting for this person right here if she has Johnny Enlow's endorsement. Because our youngest son, Ezekiel, is a seer, I went and got him. And I said, hey, can you look around and see what you're seeing? Because I, I just really, I get a kick out of hearing him describe, you know, what he sees. And so I said, you know, let me know if you see anything. And so he looked in my bedroom and my bathroom. And he said, there's nothing there. And then he goes into the closet, which is where I had been when I was praying. And he said, whoa. And his eyes got like big as saucers. And he kind of like started backing away and they started bending down. And he said, you've got a really big guy in your closet. And he his power is pushing me to the ground and we had never had he'd never had that reaction ever to an angel and so i'm like is he he's he's for us not against us right because i was sure you know and he's like he's full of light he's so full of light i can't even see his face and and then he said and he has a scroll in his hand and so i was like then he came with a message like what is the message and the message was a commissioning. So the message was a commissioning? I don't understand. What is she talking about? The, the message was a commissioning. It's like they speak in riddles. It, you know what she's doing here, really? She's speaking in a way that sounds like it came out of the Bible. Kat Kerr does this same exact thing. Johnny Enloe does the same thing. They all do this. They're always trying to make their sentences the way that they're structured, make them sound like it came straight out of God's mouth, like 1700s era King James Bible type of thing. That I mean, that should be a sign. That should be a sign that they're grifting, in my opinion. So at the very end, I asked him what his name was, because I thought, what angel is this, you know? And he said, Emmanuel. Uh, Emmanuel, of course, is Jesus. Um, that's what some people call him. That wasn't an angel. <laughs> wasn't an angel that was jesus himself and so that's why i'm running for secretary of state so it's kind of a unconventional answer that i honestly get mocked for but you know by the other side of, of course yeah of this. there's a persecution complex rearing its ugly head once again i honestly get mocked for that well yeah for one thing that's mock worthy that's ridiculous you did not get visited by jesus who then told you to run for Secretary of State, first of all. Second, they are absolutely obsessed with being persecuted. They want everybody in the audience, everybody listening, to think that they are so terribly mistreated, they're underdogs. This persecution complex increases this brotherhood, this camaraderie, this group loyalty. And when, if they feel like they're persecuted as Christians as she's making them feel by describing her own persecution as a Christian, they will donate harder. They will do anything that they can to alleviate the situation. It makes them feel closer to God, closer to her, and more likely to do anything they can to get her elected. 
That's how the persecution complex is manipulated by people in power or by people who want to be in power anyway. Interesting thing about this, though, is that isn't even the first time that she's told that story. Check this one out. Mid-September 2021, she tried the same grift just six months earlier. Well, my youngest son is a seer. That means that he sees in the spirit. So he sees angels, he sees demons, he sees light and dark and you know all kinds of spiritual stuff. He's also a prophet. So he's home because he's been exposed to COVID and isn't allowed to go to school. He comes and knocks on my office door and I opened the door and he said, um, just wanted to let you know the house just filled up with angels. God, it just kills me listening to these people clap for something so absolutely ridiculous. Right after I asked for them, and you know, so many of us ask for angels to protect us, and then we have to trust by faith that they're there. I don't know if you guys remember this, but it reminds me of that time that Kat Kerr, you guys remember Kat Kerr? She said that there were like angels on their way to help Donald Trump win the election. Last night, I was out there sending five billion of them to go worldwide to make wow. a sweep for a sweep for the next 30 days, 24 hours a day to expose any unseen, unknown wickedness, evil, cheating, stealing, lying. And I sent five billion last night out to go do that. And immediately they went and they're going to wow. go to every state and then every country, even some that people don't know about yet are about to find out about it. And Paula White, Donald Trump's spiritual advisor, if you remember this, she says she dispatched angels from Africa. You remember that one? Strike and 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 strike until you have victory. For angels are being released right now. Angels are being dispatched right now. Hamanda, Aka, Ata, Raka, Teda, Bakfa. Angels have even been dispatched from Africa right now. Africa right now. Africa right now. From Africa right now. They're coming here. They're coming here. In the name of Jesus from South America. They're coming here. They're coming here. Hilarious. Absolutely hilarious. And sad because these people are actually buying it. They're believing this. And that's, that's good, you know, that's fine, but like, praise God to have a seer to come in and say, what you just asked for? But he didn't know I'd asked, right? Like he's out there, I'm in here, Lord, give me angels. So he said, there's angels throughout the house. And he said, and I asked him why they're here. And he said, there are two kinds. So I said, why are you here and why are you here? And he said, this one said, because your mom is dealing with something very stressful and she needs support. I know. Uh, nobody made a noise on that one, weirdly. Were you expecting a noise? Is that why you said, I know? <laughs> That's weird. I know. And then he said, the other one said, because your mom is doing something very dangerous and we're here to protect her. There's the noise. There's the noise, of course. It's sad that these people actually buy what she's selling. It's sad that they actually believe that this is real, that, that what she's saying here is real and not completely fabricated. I have to imagine that this speech was probably planned out, pre-planned. When you get up in front of an audience of, what, thousands maybe? I don't know, Th probably thousands, at least hundreds, minimum multiple hundreds of people. When you get up in front of a crowd like that, I know, I've done it. You practice, you plan, you think out what you're gonna say. You at the very least have an outline. And I can tell you, uh, I'm very confident, in fact, betting my life, that God isn't speaking to this woman. What she's doing here is 
fabricating stories about God talking to her, about her son seeing angels or seeing Jesus and Jesus giving her a special message, a special commission that she's supposed to be secretary of state. Absolutely grotesque that she's taking advantage of these people and she's using high profile Q prophets, the linchpin, Johnny Enlow, between Q and Christianity, using people like this to build a bigger voter base. It's honestly sad. We absolutely have to make sure that we get out there and vote to ensure that this woman does not become Secretary of State. Like I said, um, she's a Republican in California, so her chances of being Secretary of State are incredibly low anyways. I'm just saying we have people out there like this running for office. It's something we need to be aware of, and it's something we need to avoid at all costs. Belthazar228, thank you so much for the super chat again. I appreciate that. To think of how many children might have visual and auditory hallucinations, and instead of getting proper treatment, insane parents enable and encourage them. Yep. You know what those kids are dealing with right now? At least some of them? Do not. Do not jump up right now and rebuke me for what I'm about to say. This is Greg Locke. If you're unfamiliar, I've talked about him a few times. He is an extremist pastor. On three occasions, we're going to go through all of them, not today, thank God. On three occasions, kids were brought to Jesus. Not of their own will, of their own volition, but by their parents. That had epileptic fits. Anger issues. Outbursts of emotion. Yeah, we're not familiar with outbursts of emotion at all, are we, Greg Locke? And because we've called it possession, parents refuse to deal with it. Are you telling me my kid's possessed? No, I'm telling you, your kid could be demonized and attacked, but your doctor calls it autism. Yeah, that's Greg Locke. So to your point, Belthazar, to think of how many children might have visual and auditory hallucinations and instead of getting proper treatment, insane parents enable and encourage them. That's what's happening to him right now. Greg Locke has talked about a number of kids that he and his wife and his, even his, his own children have exercised. They've exercised these people. Where are they finding these people to exercise and how do they know that they're possessed by demons? I'm telling you, your kid could be demonized and attacked, but your doctor calls it autism. One can only speculate. Next, we're going to talk about political candidate Herschel Walker clearly having trouble understanding what evolution is and how it works. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. Next story I wanted to talk about is about a guy named Herschel Walker. He's running for, what is he running for? He's running for Senate against Raphael Warnock in Georgia. So I feel like it's important we talk about him because he's had some really interesting stuff to say recently about evolution. Completely misunderstands the entire premise behind it. But we'll get there, we'll get there. Before we do, I want to introduce you to him. 
tell you about who he is and what he did and how he got to where he is and all that stuff. There's this article on the Friendly Atheist website titled Franklin Graham Backs Herschel Walker's Senate Run Despite Wildly Violent Past. This is written on August 26, 2021 by Hemant Mehta. So it's a little bit older, but like I said, it'll give you an idea of who Herschel Walker is. Okay, let's read the article written by Hemant Mehta. I figured this is going to happen, but even I didn't expect evangelist Franklin Graham to do this uh, to do it this irresponsibly. Franklin Graham, by the way, is, as Hemant Mehta says, a, a, a televangelist, an evangelical. He's incredibly influential in that field, in that voting block. The things that he says, people listen. So his endorsement of Herschel Walker for his Congress bid is incredibly consequential. Back to the article. Yesterday, Graham effectively endorsed Herschel Walker, the former football star, as the next senator from Georgia. He's the likely Republican frontrunner challenging Senator Raphael Warnock. Graham obviously made sure everyone knew about Walker's faith. Here's what uh, Franklin Graham said on Twitter. Heisman Trophy winner Herschel Walker is running again, but this time it's not as running back for the Georgia Bulldogs or the NFL. This time he's running for all the people of Georgia, announcing his desire to represent Georgia in the U.S. Senate, Herschel said, quote, Our country is at a crossroads, and I can't sit on the sidelines anymore. America is the greatest country in the world, but too many politicians in Washington are afraid to say that, end quote. I agree, says Franklin Graham. I've encouraged Christians across this country to run for political office and make a difference, and I'm thankful that people like Herschel are doing just that. This tweet right here should tell you all you need to know about why it's important we get out there and get politically involved. If we aren't going out there and running for office, then somebody in Franklin Graham's ilk, somebody in Franklin Graham's political ideology is going to replace us there. We need somebody who is reasonable, who is not completely filled with insane Jesus obsession. We need somebody running for office to replace the ones who are completely out of their heads, hopped up on Jesus. And Franklin Graham really only endorses people who he believes will push the evangelical and extremist agenda, who will push the Christian agenda even further. Herschel Walker has made it perfectly clear, as we'll see in a second, that he has a vested interest in making sure that Christianity has more control over the country, over politics, than it does right now. This is back to the article with Hemant Mehta. Here's what Graham didn't mention, that Senator Warnock is also an outspoken Christian and the senior pastor at Ebenezer Baptist Church, where, where Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. once served in a similar role. But none of that seems to matter to Graham because Warnock is the wrong kind of Christian. That is, Warnock is inspired by his faith to help people and defend civil rights, while Graham's vision of Christianity involves mocking, hurting, and discriminating against others. This is an important point to drill home. My problem isn't with faith. My problem isn't with belief or any of that stuff. I don't care. You can be Christian. You can be whatever. That's perfectly fine with me. I have a problem with the tactics that these people employ, with the ideology that they use, with the manipulation tactics that they employ against people. Like, I'm okay with Raphael Warnock being religious and also being a senator. I don't care. 
really. I, I don't. I would prefer someone closer to my moral opinions and my moral stands were in office rather than Raphael Warnock. But I'm really okay with him being in office, honestly, because I don't feel like his faith informs every political decision that he makes, like to an insane degree, like we see with somebody like Franklin Graham or Herschel Walker. It's the moral positions and the tactics that they use to accomplish their goals that, that are absolutely disgusting to me and act as a motivation for me to get out there and do anything I can to make sure that he doesn't get in office. Vote against him, start phone banking, donating to against his campaign, uh, donating to his competitor, whatever. Just do whatever it takes to make sure that he loses the election, basically. Let's keep reading. This is Hemant Mehta still. That Walker repeatedly threatened the life of his ex-wife long after he said he became a Christian and abandoned his violent tendencies. I'm not going to read it on YouTube, but needless to say, there was some really ugly stuff that he did long after claiming to have abandoned his violent tendencies. Really, really ugly stuff. If you're curious, just go look it up. Herschel Walker violent past or something like that matter of fact you can just go to this article just search for it you'll find it franklin graham backs herschel walker's senate run despite wildly violent past it'll come right up for you if you want to read more about herschel walker's past but that's not really the point of the story ultimately i just want to give you a little bit of background give you an idea of who this guy is and why we should be concerned that he very well could be the next senator of Georgia, replacing Raphael Warnock. This is an appearance at a church that he did, March 13th, 2022. I wanted to listen to this because it had some interesting stuff about his view of the world, about his understanding of the world around him. So check this out. On the right here is Herschel Walker. On the left is his host at the church. I believe he's the pastor of the church or something. Anyway, listen to this, March 13th, 2022. This is, for the record, a campaign event that he was doing. He's trying to campaign to win votes at a church. You know, the first thing I want to say is we're all sinners. Amen. Yeah, I'm a sinner, and we all fall short of the glory of God. So we first got to admit that we are sinners, that we're not perfect. And we never will be perfect. But what you got to do is you got to always go after God's heart and know that Jesus lives within you and know that you are going to have problems, but you got to keep moving forward. You got to keep moving forward that life is okay because as long as you keep the faith, and one of the things, it's hard to keep the faith when you don't see him. You know, you don't see him there right. or you can't feel him. Uh, maybe he's fake. Do you ever consider that one? I mean, you ever knock that one around the old noggin? Is there a possibility he's not real? He was never real. He's not there. It's all in your head. Just tossing it out there. You don't hear him sometimes, but he's there. And let me tell you the reason he's, he's there, because you remember when, uh, when he said, let there be light, you know, there had to be light. So somebody had to store it. Let there be light because something had to be created here. Come on. Okay, now we're getting into a complete misunderstanding of evolution and how it works. All right, let's step back and, and really pick this apart, really think about what this guy's saying, okay? Somebody had to store it, let there be light because something had to be created here. Come on. Something had to be created here, okay? Let me just toss this one at you. What if a few billion years ago, the sun exploded and became, you know, lit up 
through all kinds of plasma and particles all over the place, right? And there's an orbit that forms around the sun. And in that orbit are just particles, just dust. As it continues to kind of spiral around the sun's gravitational field, little by little, that dust starts kind of gathering, slamming into each other. Over time, that dust gets bigger and bigger. It forms rocks, and those rocks form asteroids, and those asteroids bang into each other so many times, and they get so incredibly big that they form their own gravitational field, and now they're, they're spinning around the sun. It's called the accretion disk, by the way, the cloud of dust that started circling the sun, the accretion disk. That's how light came to be, quote-unquote. That is how everything formed. According to what we know about the universe, what we know about physics, geology, and all of the other scientific fields, that's what happened. We have hard evidence that this is how things formed. Now, you can sit there and tell me God did it. God made it happen. Fine, fine, fine. If that's what you want to say, okay. That's okay with me. But we have hard, irrefutable evidence that this is how it played out. Go ahead and... Fill in the parts we don't know with God, but you're going to be left with egg on your face when we finally manage to explain the parts that aren't filled right now. And you claimed that God fit there. Let's keep listening. When the light was created here, that means somebody up there had to say, let there be light that the earth started. And then he had to put someone there on earth. Remember, Adam was there. Remember, Adam came there, then Eve came. So some... So somebody had to create humans because humans are here. Adam and Eve is obviously a true story. Obviously, right? You'd be a fool not to think Adam and Eve is real. Well, if you obviously know that Adam and Eve are real, somebody must have put them there. Who put them there? If God didn't put them there, then who did? Adam and Eve is an allegory. It's fake, Herschel. It's not real. That is not how things played out. We know without a shadow of a doubt, we have DNA evidence to prove that humans have been on this planet for longer than 6,000 years. The 6,000 years that Christians or young earth creationists claim it's been. I'm really disappointed that this guy hasn't like, I mean, he's, he's throwing out arguments that are long debunked, ridiculous at their face. Like people in grade school, know the answers to these questions and he's throwing them out there like they're gotchas like they're knockout punches science is wrong and the reason is because adam and eve were here so who put them there checkmate atheists and eve came so somebody had to start it out so that means it had to be a god because then just uh, some bomb blew up and it started out and then i'll tell you something else i heard it's not some bomb that started it. Is that what he said? I, I assume he's talking about the Big Bang here. Some bomb blew up and it started out. Yeah, nobody said some bomb blew up, blah, blah, blah. We're talking about the Big Bang. The Big Bang is, as a matter of fact, verified. That actually did happen. Now, like I, like I said a minute ago, you can say God made it happen. That's okay with me. Really, I'm fine with you saying that. But you can't deny the hard evidence that we have. You can't deny the facts that we have, which is what he's trying to do here. In a very juvenile way, like not in an offensive way, just he obviously does not understand 
any of this. It's almost like the guy hasn't studied any of this or he thinks that he's presenting these arguments for the first time like we haven't heard these before. It gets worse. Keep listening. Blew up and it started out. And then I'll tell you something else I heard and I think about this because at one time science said man came from apes. Did it not? It did not. No, it never said man came from apes. Humans share a common ancestor with apes. In fact, we are the fifth great ape. There are five great apes, one of which is humans. And that's that's true. That was true then. That's true now. That's just a fact. I know this is hard to understand for some people, so I'm not going to mock you. If, if you know, if this is really a question in your head, let me explain why. Let me explain why we are the fifth great ape and why that's not nonsense. Let's let him finish his statement here, and then I'll explain. Every time I read or hear that, I think to myself, you just didn't read the same Bible I did. Well, what this was interesting, though. If that is true, why are there still apes? So we have the English language, and we have the French language, right? And we're both very similar in form to the Latin language. If English came from Latin, then why is there another language that also came from Latin? It's effectively the exact same argument. Aspie atheist, English is a Germanic language, not a Romance language. I hold a BA in Spanish. English did not descend from Latin. Spanish, French, Italian, and Romanian all descended from Latin. Okay, I appreciate the correction. I'll put this in the final video. Uh, there's your answer from a linguist, a self-proclaimed linguist. I mean, I haven't seen the credentials or anything, but just... You get the idea. You get the idea that I was trying to communicate. Different languages, different accents, they all derive from a certain root. It doesn't mean that that root doesn't exist. It doesn't mean that it's fake because they have the same root. I'm just trying to give an idea of what people mean when they say humans came from apes. That's how it worked. The apes that we came from, quote unquote, are not the apes that exist today. French is not Latin. English is not Latin. They're extremely similar to each other, but they're not the same. They, they have the same roots. Latin as a language does still exist. It's still out there and we base a lot of stuff off of it. It's a dead language, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong out there linguists, I think it's a dead language because it's not regularly spoken by native speakers and it's also not changing and evolving anymore. Uh, from my understanding, like I said, correct me if I'm wrong out there, linguists. Humans and modern apes, modern monkeys, gorillas, so on and so forth, they came from the same parent line. That's why what he's saying is nonsensical. It's ridiculous at its face. Like, I get that this is a question that you would ask if you don't fully understand how all this works. And not understanding how this works is okay. It's It's fine. It's okay. You don't have to, like feel bad about thinking that this is a legitimate question to ask. In fact, you know, if you do, then ask it. And somebody will explain it to you, hopefully. But it's easily explained. This isn't a challenging question to tackle. We've known the answers to these types of questions for a long time, and I had them answered, you know, the moment I started studying evolution, once I exited the religion that I grew up in. Think about it. You know, now you're getting too smart for it. No, 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 no. Think about this. We have an evolution that is we've gotten so intelligent that if that is true, why are there still apes? And then the conception of a baby. Let me tell you, science can't do that. He's trying to give us like his knockdown arguments in favor of God. Um, 
Adam and Eve existed here, so somebody must have created them. He's taking the premise that Adam and Eve existed in the first place and building on that. We all know Adam and Eve existed, thus God exists. I'm rejecting that premise. Adam and Eve didn't exist. There's no evidence of that. So that was his first argument. His second one is evolution is ridiculous because blah, blah, blah. And now his third argument is... The conception of a baby. The conception of a baby. Okay. Let me tell you, science can't do that. They Come still on. trying to do it, Come on. but it can't because there had to be a God. I don't understand. Um, creating new life. Uh, I mean, we can clone things. He's saying where science is trying to produce life. What happens when we do? What are you going to say then? Are you just going to remove that from your proof? From your list of proofs that God is real? This is called the God of the gaps. You're fitting God in everywhere that science hasn't explained yet. What happens when science explains it? You've suddenly made God that much smaller. When God came and said, now, let me create this. And God created the earth and he put Adam and Eve there and stuff, and then this is what was so funny, this is what makes it even better. Even in that little garden, he said, uh, from this place, you got all the freedom, just like you got it in the United States. You got all the freedom, do whatever you want to do. But then he said, nah, don't mess with that tree over there, because you mess with that tree, you will surely die. So he had rules and regulations. Isn't that interesting? He's comparing God putting a dangerous tree in the Garden of Eden to laws, rules, and regulations. Well, let me just toss this one your way. What about this, Herschel? Adam and Eve were supposedly perfect, right? Why would they need governance in the first place? In fact, why would God even put a tree near them that could even risk their perfection? Why would he do that? Why didn't he put it on the other side of the planet? Why did he decide to put it right in front of them and say, don't touch it? And how about this? Why would God not quarantine them when they did that? Put them off in the corner, say, you're not allowed to breed. Give Adam a vasectomy. Say, go do whatever you want for the next 80 years. And then create a new breeding pair who was perfect once again. Why did he decide to allow them to breed and create 8 billion humans who were imperfect and, were go that and God knew were going to suffer for the next 6,000 years? I'm just expanding on this lore a little bit to show you how absolutely ridiculous it is from the ground up. It doesn't make sense once you start poking holes in it. It doesn't make sense even a little bit. But he thinks he's got us in some kind of a gotcha moment here. So he had rules and regulations. And he's trying to prove to us that God had this divine plan that he knew that humans were going to need to be governed over and all of this other stuff. If Adam and Eve were really perfect, as he claims, why would they even need rules and regulations? Why did God even need to put a tree in there in the first place? There's no need for it. It's sadism, plain and simple. And then even further sadism, that he didn't just quarantine them. Every person that has suffered in the past 6,000 years, that suffering is on God's conscience, in my opinion for not quarantining them and creating a new breeding pair. It's on God. Just like we got in the United States of America. You got rules and regulations. And it, when you break the rules, you will surely die. Same thing we got here. If you don't do what's right, you surely go to jail or you need to be punished. Like I said, I got a spanking. And I said, that's the reason why I said, guys, this is a great country. This is a country where we all can have all different religions. 
Uh, okay, that's weird that he's saying that because that's effectively completely contradictory to all of the other underlying ideology that he's laid out for us in the past, what, two and a half minutes that, you know, we can live in a country that has more than one religion. It seems pretty obvious to me that what he's laying down here is a vested interest in having Christian supremacy. The fact that he was endorsed by Franklin Graham in the first place should be more than enough to tell you that he's part of a Christian supremacist movement. But okay, let's keep listening. All can have all different religions. And I tell people this, I'm not trying to teach you to love Jesus. I love him. You can like who you want to like, but I'm going to tell you, there's only one of them. I'm honestly surprised to hear him say that. Once again, everything else that he said up to now has basically been in contradiction to what he's saying right here. He's been spouting off just the strangest, I mean, not just in this video, but the things that he's said outside the video, the political ideologies that he adheres to, the people that have endorsed him, it all points to religious supremacy, Christian supremacy. So it's really weird and contradictory that he's saying that we can all, like, live in the country together whether we're christian or not you to love jesus i love him you can like who you want to like but i'm gonna tell you there's only one of them that's right there's only one god there's only one jesus so if you're going with the wrong horse i'm, I'm sorry for you i'm telling you i love jesus and i tell people this guys jesus lives within me amen and i can't do nothing without the power of jesus right we don't need politicians like this guys we don't need politicians who understand so little about science that they think the argument about apes is a, a, like a knockout punch, like they won the argument. If we came from apes, then why are there still apes? He really just laid that out as an argument against evolution for us. We don't need this in Congress. We don't need people like this as senators. I figured we'd take a quick glance at his Ballotpedia article. I don't know if you guys have heard of this, but ballotpedia.org slash Herschel Walker. This website's awesome. It tells you all kinds of stuff about like their campaign and when their primaries are and all that other stuff. It says, the primary will occur on May 24th, 2022. The general election will occur November 8th, 2022. Additional general election candidates will be added here following the primary. So right now, it looks like um, George Litchfield is running against Herschel Walker in the primaries on the conservative side. And Raphael Warnock is the current senator. He's running against Tamara Johnson Shealy on the Democratic side of the ticket. So I'm pretty confident that the Democratic ticket is going to be Raphael Warnock. If we get Herschel Walker running against Raphael Warnock, God, I don't know. I mean, like I said earlier, the evangelical voters steer the party, steer the Republican Party. I think that Herschel Walker may actually have a high chance of winning. He may be the next Republican senator. We should be taking this seriously. If you're in Georgia, get out there and vote. Crawl over broken glass to vote. Whatever it takes. We can't have somebody who fundamentally does not understand the very basics of science in Congress. We can't have somebody who accepts the endorsements of extremists like Franklin Graham in Congress. Like, this is next-level concerning stuff. If you're in Georgia, get out there, 
and vote this primary. Nervardia, scientists created a microbe that divides completely synthetically, so that destroys his argument that scientists can't create life. It was only a matter of time. People like to fill in the gaps with God. They like to fill in the gaps that science has left open that we haven't explained yet or haven't figured out yet. They like to say, it's God. What happens when those gaps are filled? God gets smaller and smaller. Don't try to fill gaps with God. It's a lost cause. It's a dead end, and you will likely lose your faith over it. Next, we're going to talk about Nick Walker Ministries. Remember the kids in West Virginia who were forced to attend a revival during school hours? The story goes even deeper than that. Give us 30 seconds, and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Telltale Channel. Don't forget to check me out on all social media, Patreon, Twitter, Teespring, and Etsy. All links can be found in the description or on my website, telltaleatheist.com. Next story I wanted to talk about is about a guy named Nick Walker. This is him on screen right here. Um, if that name sounds familiar, the reason is because not long ago, back in February, there was a walkout in Cabell County Schools in West Virginia. Now, if you've been following me for a while, you'll know that Cabell County Schools was my daughter's school district. It was Kylie's school district for years. We ended up leaving the school district because her health teacher said some really questionable stuff about the LGBT community and about atheists during school hours. And the one thing is, I'm hoping that you all are brought up by a good family or person, whoever's raising you, that they're teaching you right from wrong and that it's not okay to be sexually active. If you look at the Bible, it says sex isn't for love, it is for what? When is the time you should? After marriage. After marriage. I have got so many kids that were so against me in my first and second period, you would have a heart attack. It makes me sick how they believe. They say, all you do is you, 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 everything you're teaching about sexual treatment, disease stuff, you keep referring back to the Bible. And I said, because, I almost said because I'm right, but, you know, you can't force somebody to believe in God. And that's fine. Whether you do or not, that's your opinion. But I, I just can't get my head into there where people don't really think there's a, I, I'm just, I don't know, I'm just kind of shocked. They'll know one day, won't they? That's what worries me. I don't want anybody to be lost. So I try to squeeze them in a little bit without getting in too much trouble. But there's so many kids that don't believe in God and they don't believe in values. And they don't care. Whatever they do, whatever, however way they want to dress, whatever way they want to act, if they want to be with a boy or a girl, that's their choice. And that's fine. I'm not arguing. I'm just saying, I don't believe in that. What are you going to do about those feelings and thoughts? And if you're brought up with morals and values, then God's going to be there to help you make better decisions. In health class, said a whole bunch of really messed up stuff about it, and we reported the health teacher, and guess what? 
the entire town turned against us, were hunting us. I mean, that's not an exaggeration. Showing up to our house at all hours of the night, taking pictures through our windows, the whole nine yards, like threatening us, telling us they're going to burn our house down, all of it. It got pretty scary for a while. Not even a full year after that happened to us, Cabell County Schools, the same school district, holds an evangelical prayer rally during school hours. That's against the law. And they did it anyways because they don't care, because they know they're not going to get in trouble for it. Well, guess what? They did actually get in trouble for it. As it turns out, FFRF, the Freedom From Religion Foundation, sued the school district for holding an evangelical prayer rally during school hours. We'll see how the lawsuit turns out. I'm not sure how it's going to turn out. Um, but I wanted to give you guys a little bit of background on what happened real fast. I wanted to play the, the, the latest clip that explains the situation up to the minute. And then I wanted to talk about the guy who held the evangelical prayer rally, Nick Walker, Nick Walker Ministries, because he was actually on Perry Stone's YouTube channel recently. If you're curious, just go look up some of my videos. I've talked about him a few times on YouTube. But let's start out with this kind of up-to-the-minute update. This was released on Channel 13 News in West Virginia, in Cabell County, WOWK. It's the local news channel there. And they're talking about what happened with the student walkout. So check this out. February 18th, 2022. New developments after a religious revival event held during school hours at Huntington High School prompted some students to walk out in protest. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rob Macko. And I'm Marilyn McAuliffe. Now some parents and students are taking legal action. 13 News reporter Natalie Wattis joins us live from the Huntington Newsroom with more details. Natalie, what can you tell us? Well, Marilee, Rob, I spoke with an attorney from the Freedom From Religion Foundation. I just want to make note of something. This is really interesting. This person is standing in front of a green screen. I wonder why they're doing it that way in front of a green screen. You can tell because there's like a white line that follows her arm up here. And you can see like it, they just didn't blend it very well. I'm not saying that I'm any better. Like I'm just some amateur dude, you know. I know you tell me, am I blended better with a green screen around than she is? Some amateur guy as compared to like a full-blown news service? I mean, you be the judge. Freedom From Religion Foundation. They, along with 11 parents and students, filed suit against the Board of Education, the superintendent, and the principal of Huntington High School Thursday. Filed in district court in West Virginia, the lawsuit is seeking a judgment declaring that the religious revival event did violate constitutional rights. They are also asking for a permanent injunction against the district ever sponsoring religious assemblies during the school day and that they cannot conduct, promote, or participate in Nick Walker Ministries assemblies during the school day. Those are all already laws. You're legally not allowed to do that stuff. So it's not like an injunction is even necessary, or it shouldn't be. It, it obviously is necessary, but it shouldn't be necessary. All those things are already illegal. Now, the lawsuit also asks for $1 in damages to each plaintiff to symbolically show that harm was done. The attorney and the parents tell me they want to make clear this is not about money, but about policy changes. Uh, for the record, Chris Line, the uh, FFRF attorney, he's the one that worked with me, too. Mad respect to Chris Line. You know, we want something that says 
then the district definitely can't allow this to happen again, rather than just taking their word for it. Because in the past, you know, they've had all these different incidents and, and they've... In the past, they've had all these different incidents. I have to assume he's talking about my incident that happened just 10 months earlier or 11 months earlier. And they've said they're going to take care of it. And yet we keep seeing these problems crop up. A spokesperson for Cabell County Schools says they do not comment on pending litigation and declined to comment on this. The parents listed on the lawsuit also declined to comment, saying since the lawsuit is filed, they prefer to let the lawyers and the board handle it from here. In Huntington, Natalie Wattis, 13 News, working for you. Now, for what it's worth, the principal was listed in the lawsuit, and the principal actually apologized to the students, uh, to one or two specific students. And I talked to the student, Cameron Mays, if you want to learn more about what happened here. It's on my main channel. In fact, it's on both of my channels, my fireside chat and my main channel. I've talked about it in both places. But I did a full-blown interview with Cameron Mays, one of the students that's suing the school. I did an interview with him and put it on my main channel. So give it a look if you're curious. I think it's super fascinating. I even put clips in there of the principal apologizing to him and everything. But honestly, you know, I don't, I don't really care if the principal apologized. It's irrelevant. What I want in an ideal world is for this to have not happened. For Nick Walker Ministries to have not shown up to this school. And guess what? This wasn't the only school that he showed up to either. He had gone to the Huntington Area Middle School just weeks prior. The, the middle school. He's been going to all the schools in the area, all the schools in the district doing this, this whole bit, this revival bit. Well, check this out. This is actually a clip from the revival. Remember, this happened early February 2022. Check this out. And we believe right now that life is never the same. Uh, that's Nick Walker right there. We give you praise, glory, and honor right now. During school hours. This is happening during school hours. So let's take a closer look at Nick Walker and Nick Walker Ministries. See what he's all about. This is December 29th, 2021. Wanted to get an idea of some of the things that he has to say, some of the beliefs that he holds. Check this out. I dare say some of you have been in church for 20 years and have never tasted Jesus before. Dear Lord, please help me not take the low-hanging fruit. <laughs> this is from the same live stream. Uh, check this next part out here. And Paul, in Acts 26, 28, if you look at it, he gets there to the end of his message, and he just makes it personal. I've been preaching to the whole body tonight, but now I'm going to make it personal with you. He looks at Agrippa, the king of the land, and he says this. Hey, do you believe the prophets? I know you do. He doesn't even let him answer. He just says, I know you believe this. I know you do. And Agrippa is trembling in conviction. Agrippa's response now rings in hell for all of eternity. Now, before we get to this next part of his sermon, I just want to point something out, okay? The Bible is a big book made up of 66 smaller books written by... Dozens of authors, maybe hundreds, who knows? A lot of people over thousands of years that have contradictory opinions on a lot of things. Like a, a lot of these books hold contradictory moral positions. The Bible doesn't make a moral declaration that it doesn't reverse a chapter later. You can justify 
anything that you want with the Bible. Really, what you preach about and what you teach and talk about is not a reflection of what the Bible has to say. It's a reflection of what you, as a pastor or as a reader, already believe. That's what the Bible really is. Nick Walker's giving us his interpretation of this King Agrippa thing from the Bible. Agrippa's response now rings in hell for all of eternity because he looks at Paul and he says, you almost persuaded me to become a Christian. Oh, dear. Almost, but not quite. And I want you to know, friends, there's a whole section of there's a whole section of hell where Agrippa stands over them and they collectively scream almost. So his message, the moral value that he picked up from this is obey God, listen to God, do what he says, or you will burn in hell and be tortured for the rest of eternity. Not for the rest of your life, but until the end of time. Even if you didn't know, even if you weren't aware, even if you had questions, it doesn't matter. If you don't put those questions aside and do what I, as the pastor, am telling you to do, you will burn in hell forever. It's your eternal soul. That's the moral declaration or the moral value that Nick Walker wanted to communicate to his church. The guy is a full-blown extremist. This is not a moderate Christian. This is not a chill, cool, young, hip youth pastor who's nice and, and loves everybody and just wants to make people's lives better and happier in some way and spread the message of the gospel. He is a fire and brimstone hate preacher. And that's not the only thing that he believes either. We'll get there. Keep listening. The Bible all through the Gospels talks about how there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth and screaming and torment and pain. One of the most painful screams you will hear in hell is almost. Wow. Ouch. And some of you will be screaming it if you don't respond to the invitation today. That is his attempt to force people to be a part of this group, to be a part of this religion, whether they want to or not. He is exploiting the fear mechanism in their brain. This is what cults do, FYI. I'm not saying that this is a cult. I don't know. I haven't looked closely enough at it. But this is one of the qualities that you find in extremist groups and in cults. Exploitation of the fear mechanism. As it turns out, I was reading about this guy because I was looking for updates on the situation. As it turns out, he's been on Perry Stone's YouTube channel, fascinatingly. I had no idea. Perry Stone is actually a really big, popular, famous pastor. He's on YouTube. I think he's got 500,000 subbies or something. But he was on broadcast television, too, for like many, many years, 20 years, somewhere in there. He's really, really influential. So I was honestly surprised to see Nick Walker of Nick Walker Ministries on Perry Stone's channel. I did not expect it. So I figured, hey, let's take a look at this. Late July 2021. Let's see what Nick Walker had to say. So Nick, uh, it's good to have you here. Honored so to be I here, want you brother. to share with me about 
two of the of the greatest miracles you've seen that you there, one of these there's actually x-rays right of, oh yeah we have scans and x-rays x-rays oh i bet so what he's given us here is faith healing these are a couple of things that absolutely disgust me right here faith healing and prosperity gospel there are others but those two are at the very top of my list for some of the most evil scams in all of human history. Faith healing and prosperity gospel. Take advantage of sick people. Take advantage of poor people. Take them for everything they've got. It is truly the height of evil to do that, to take part in this prosperity gospel and faith, feel, and faith healing stuff. You have to be one of the, the most amoral people alive to be able to justify this to yourself. It's an x-ray, pet scans the whole nine yards. Yes. When we baptized him in water, he also had a withered hand. He had nerve damage in his hand mm -hmm. that was so bad that he could not use it. We, we sent Charlie the x-rays too for, the, for his hand. And then uh, wow. you've seen in infants how the gaps between the, the bones, they have to grow into those gaps, mm -hmm. you know? And the infants will have them on top of their head and in between all the joints will, and growth plates. Well, this young man had gaps in between all of his knuckles, mm. all the joints in his hands and fingers. So he couldn't had, use his hand? He could not use his hand. As he told me, he couldn't remember the last time he had moved it. Mm. And so as soon as his head come wow. out of the water, his hand was loosed and he began to- And everybody saw this now. Everybody this, You're telling me that this guy had an actual diagnosed and documented medical condition where his hand had been like this since he was a, a child, I guess, I'm assuming, and you dunk him underwater and now his hand is healed? Awesome, okay, well, why don't we send amputees under the water then? If this is something that's verifiable, we can put on record, take pictures before and after, we can have doctors diagnose and examine and scientists study the phenomenon, we should be good to go. I, I will become a believer. No joke. That's all it would take. Pray to God and regrow an amputated limb right in front of me. And I, I am instantly a believer. No joke. Seriously. I am. You want to convert an atheist to Christianity, regrow a limb right in front of me after praying to God. That's what it would take. Conveniently, it's never in front of cameras though, huh? Conveniently, it's never in a setting where this stuff can be studied all this my, my pastor was there who my spiritual coverings under he was there well after now this is on a Sunday after church he walks to the hospital as this is relayed to me he walks to the hospital and he walks in and he says I want rescanned I want you to rescan mm -hmm. me because God has healed me well, he exactly said I don't think it. you understand I've been healed and I want I want to Proof have it documented I want to know yeah. yes and so the doctor said, well, how about you let me x-ray that hand? And if your hand has any kind of difference, then we'll do the PET scan. He said, fine. He held his hand out and said, fine, do it. So they x-rayed his hand and they, what they found, and this is on the before and the after that he sent me, was that the Lord had totally realigned his bones, closed the gaps, and then in other scans, which I didn't have those other scans, but in the other scans, they found that the nerves were actually restored and he was- Oh, isn't that convenient? Well, in the other scans, which I don't have the other scans, but uh, the other scans showed. Yeah, I, I'm not honestly even sure what we're looking at here, and I can't even verify that these four pictures are from the same exact person in the first place. So, yeah, I, I simply disagree, good sir. I simply reject what you're presenting to me. Have a scientist gather the data and publish it. Talk about exactly what's happening 
and point out how this happened and when it happened and all this prayer and show a straight line from praying to God to getting healed. And I will believe it. That is all it'll take. But telling me you don't have the the scans available, uh, not really having all of this stuff properly labeled, not showing me the person's name even, not giving me any information that I can go off of, I simply don't believe it. Apparently, I'm being told that Hemant Mehta actually debunked the Perry Stone, Nick Walker thing about the x-rays. Hemant Mehta, like, traced it back and found that the x-ray was from an unrelated science article, and they were forced to remove it after that. Big surprise. They were lying the whole time. Who could have expected? Naturally, I was skeptical of it. That's the correct position, skepticism, when you're dealing with people like Nick Walker and Perry Stone. That would be the correct position. But as it turns out, skepticism was the correct position anyways because they were wrong. They lied. They lied about it. This is my problem with people like this. The tactics they employ. I have no problem with people believing whatever they want to believe. That's not my issue. My issue is the fact that they lie about stuff. They outright deceive people intentionally. They pull this x-ray from somebody's scientific paper and use it to claim that somebody was healed after being baptized. That is just a flat-out lie. Intentional deceit. Doesn't the Bible specifically speak against that? This is the concept behind theocratic warfare. It's okay to lie. It's okay to cheat. It's okay to steal or manipulate or whatever if it's in service to God. That is the basis of this belief system. This, that's the basis of evangelicalism, and that is a problem we have to deal with. And they found that the nerves were actually restored and he was able to use his hand again. And even the, the hand looked crooked. And then the x-ray is it shows how the Lord had put oh his wow, realigned his bones. And so, so his hand was so restored. What happened with the cancer? So the doctor said, I've never seen anything like this. I bet. I bet. Conveniently, we don't know the doctor's name. We don't know the patient's name. We don't know the actual condition or how long they've had it or when it was healed or what other countermeasures were taken leading up to it being healed. We don't have any of this information. How convenient is that? That is Nick Walker Ministries, my friends. That is who went to West Virginia to hold a revival in my old school district, the old school district that I went to. This is what's happening in West Virginia right now. Lucky for us, we have organizations out there like the Freedom From Religion Foundation and honestly like American atheists who are fighting this stuff at every turn, who are filing the lawsuits, working with people, helping them get out of bad areas, get out of danger like I was in, helping them file the lawsuits, helping us force these organizations, force these school districts to actually follow the law. Full disclosure, my wife is an intern for American Atheists. I figured I would mention that since I mentioned American Atheists. Uh, conflict of interest, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, I endorsed both FFRF and American Atheists. I think they're both good organizations. So take that for what you will. Emily Sigmund, delicious, malicious, low-hanging fruit feeds the soul. I know, that's so funny, right? What a, Like what he said, never tasted Jesus before. I will not take the low-hanging fruit. I won't do it. 
thank you guys for coming and giving this a listen, and I will talk to you next week. If you like what I do and you want to make sure I can continue to do it, you can support me in a few ways. First, you can support me on Patreon. That's probably the best way. But if you want to get something back for your support, you can check out my Teespring. I sell all kinds of shirts and stickers and stuff on there. Second, you can support me by checking out my Etsy store. I sell 3D printed stands for every system from the original Nintendo to the Xbox One. And finally, if you want to support me in other ways, you can check me out on my other channels. I have the podcast channel, which is where I talk about whatever's on my mind. Politics, social issues, whatever. You can also find it everywhere podcasts can be found. Or you can check out the videos on my main channel where I focus on destructive cults. As it is with most channels these days, I rely on the support of viewers like you to keep my channel alive, so sharing my work is extremely helpful. Anyways, check me out in all those places if you haven't already. Thanks for listening, guys.